If you haven't watched it already, make sure to check out our Sunday School video this week. Today's video is on the story of Noah and the Ark from Genesis chapters 6 through 9. Abundant life, Christ left the light, the light of heaven, so darkness could be forgiven. Servant to be himself did he. Grants to us, to us, past measure to his incorruptible treasure, grace to set free, bequeathing me his purity, so that I might live abundantly. Abundant life, Christ pleads for us, in Saves us from condemnation, rescued at sea, hope in that story, sweet story, saved so that I might live eternally. When such a gift came down to me when all around was lost, he changed my life, he made me whole.
This morning, we looked at the I am statement where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And tonight in this video, I want us to kind of carry that over into the next chapter in John chapter 12. And I want us to see just what Jesus meant whenever he was saying that he is the resurrection, he is the life. And, and kind of, I've titled this lesson at least, Jesus, life and death, because he speaks about both of those things together. You know, in some sense, of course, he died so that we can have life, but there's also more than just that. He most certainly is the resurrection and the life, but whenever we see this, he is those things. You know, he, he is that, the resurrection, he is the life because of his death, more importantly, because of him conquering the death. We'll also see in John chapter 12 that it's not just for a small group of people. You know, it's most certainly not just one individual. It's not even just one nation, but it's for other nations as well. So we start to kind of see this in John chapter 12. So let's take a look together and find out what it means that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Now let's take a look at what happened after, you know, where we left off this morning. Lazarus, he's raised it from the dead, but, you know, the crowd's still there. Everything's still going on. So what does that look like at that moment? John chapter 12, verses 17 through 19, we kind of pick up on a little bit of what happens. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Which, by the way, I think that's amazing that the Pharisees can say such a thing. You know, the whole world is going after him. They recognize his popularity. You know, everybody knows that Jesus, his ministry, is very popular. He has this following. But, you know, I mean, what do they do about that? What do the Pharisees do about that? Well, we kind of see how they, they respond. And we also notice uh, even this morning that, you know, they, they kind of, in at least the last chapter, in John chapter 11, we find out, you know, from the moment that, that Lazarus has raised it from the dead, from that very moment, they start to plot as to how they're going to kill Jesus. You know, they were trying to, to figure out how they were going to kill him. So, I mean, it's, it's crazy for me to even think about um, how, the state of mind that these people uh, were in. You know, these religious leaders that they just hated Jesus so much. But now, you know, they, they recognize the whole world's going after him. What are we going to do? Now we start to see what it what it means that the whole world is going after him. Because in this passage right here, we notice that the Greeks, there are some Greeks who are wanting to get close to Jesus. You know, it's it's someone who is outside of Israel, but they still want to get near Jesus. John chapter 12, verses 20 through 22. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Yeah, news is spreading. Now these Greeks, they want to be able to see Jesus. Are they going to get to see Jesus? Let's keep reading. Verses 23 through 26. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. 
So here Jesus, you know, his reply, he doesn't exactly start off with just a, a definite yes or a definite no and to what he's going to say to these, these Greeks right here. He just starts talking about him being glorified, which, by the way, time and time again in John's gospel, Jesus' glorification, it deals with his death. You know, that's why we're looking at Jesus' life and death. What does Jesus say about those things? Well, he does say this really confusing statement in verse 25. This is this is very similar to some of the other statements that Jesus makes, you know, the ones that, that sound like they don't make sense at first. And then if you start thinking about them and you start looking at how Jesus lived, they start to make a little bit more sense. Like whenever Jesus made statements, the first will be last and the last will be first. What does that even mean? And here he says in verse 25, anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And you're just thinking, how does that even work? Because, you know, if you love your life, you're going to lose it. That, that doesn't make sense, does it? And then if you hate your life in this world, then you're going to keep it for eternal life. How does that make sense? But if you really stop and think about what Jesus is saying, and if you stop and you compare it to Jesus's life, you start to recognize what he means. You know, he's not talking about people who hate their own life. He's just talking about, look, if all you care about and all you love is just this life right here and right now, you're going to end up losing it all. But if you can, at least by comparison, you know, you, you don't love uh, this life right here in this world. If you're not so attached to this world, then you'll find out what life, not just in this world, but life eternal is going to be like. You know, life that not just in this world, but in the world uh, that is to come, so to speak. And he says these things. He's trying to teach them. And get them to recognize it. Now, obviously, they can't do what we can do. You know, we can kind of compare this and we can see that even Jesus himself, he gave up his own life so that we can have life. And we see that he laid down that life for us. And he's talking about the same types of things, that we don't need to be so closely connected to the things of this earth. And so closely hang on to the things of this earth that we end up losing everything. Because this earth is not the only life that we are going to live. Uh, you are an eternal being now. You know, you will have eternal life. You know, every single one of us is going to have eternal life. What is that life going to look like? It depends largely upon what we cling on to, what we care about, what we spend our time doing. Do we spend it being a follower of Jesus Christ? That's what he's asking. And that's what our father is asking us as well. Moving on now to verses 27 through 29. This is Jesus still speaking about this thing. So he's just made these, these difficult statements and he continues on and he says, Now my soul is troubled and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and, and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. So, so here, Jesus is actually having this conversation with the Father, and, and both sides of the conversation are heard. That, that's kind of interesting, because most of the time in our prayer lives, uh, you know, we don't, we don't have an out loud conversation that we talk to God, and God talks back. And, you know, whenever we gather uh, together and we hear prayers, it's not like we hear God audibly speaking back to us. But, but right here, Jesus is wrestling with this, and he understands uh, what's going to happen to him. And he also understands what's going to happen to his followers. You know, his followers are mistreated just like what he is mistreated. Uh, he knows all those things in advance. 
So right here at this point, he recognizes this is the reason he's came, that he is coming. This is the reason that he came at, at the beginning was for this very hour, for this very moment to be glorified. And in this case, to glorify the name of the Father. And the Father responds with, he recognizes that he's already glorified it. He's going to glorify it again. God's name will always be glorified. The question is, are you and are I going to be involved in that glorification of the Father? So they heard this, this voice from heaven. Some people thought it, they, they, uh, they heard thunder. Some people said it was some angel. You know, I guess this is, is part of the reason why whenever we think of God's voice or maybe whenever it's portrayed in movies, you know, we think about this big booming voice. Even though sometimes like with, with uh, the prophet Elijah, we see that, you know, it was a still small voice. But, but here, you know, we think about a, a thundering voice. And right here, some people said, oh, it thundered. Other people said it was the voice of an angel. You know, I don't know exactly what the, the audible voice of God sounds like, but you know, I look forward to being able to hear it one day and, and to be able to experience these things. But here, this is what he says, that he has glorified his name. He is going to glorify it again. God's name is going to be glorified. Verses 30 through 34, Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. The crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the son of man must be lifted up? Who is this son of man? Okay, so they've got some questions, but let, let's start at the beginning here and let's work our way through it. So Jesus Praise to the Father. The Father responds. Some people think uh, it thundered. Some people think it's, a, it's an angel. But right here, Jesus makes it plain in verse 30. You know, the voice was for the benefit of the people, not the, not the benefit of Jesus himself. You know, we kind of see that sometimes Jesus is very concerned about us. Even this morning, you know, we looked at, at from the previous chapter uh, that uh, whenever he was praying again to God, he said in uh, verse 11 of John, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 11, Verse 42 of John, Jesus says, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing there, that they may believe that you sent me. So he said this and he had a conversation there for the benefit of the people. And right here we see that, that God, his voice can be heard and the voice was for the benefit of the people, not the voice of Jesus. Just Jesus didn't need that, that confirmation that the Father is, is communicating with him. He knew that the Father was communicating with him and that the father always hears him but now he he changes that and he starts talking about this judgment that's coming he also starts talking about this prince of the world which it's always kind of interesting to me as to how how satan uh, is referred to but uh yes i believe that this would be referring to uh the the prince of this world that it would be satan that this world is somehow under the control uh, of satan but yet there is judgment that is that is coming and we see also that the prince, this Satan, uh, that he is judged. But then we find out that this is related to this moment whenever he is going to be lifted up from the earth, whenever Jesus is going to be lifted up from the earth. In verse 32, that's what he says. He says, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He's already talked about this before. If you remember all the way back in John chapter 3, he spoke about how he was going to be lifted up just like that serpent in the wilderness. Well, that's kind of an image. That, that's a comparison that we can see and that we can relate 
uh, from the Old Testament to something that Jesus gave. But yes, just like that serpent was lifted up and deliverance was brought, um, Jesus brought salvation whenever he was lifted up on that cross. Um, and uh, also with being lifted up, you know, he was, I guess, kind of two different ways in which he was lifted up. One, of course, he was lifted up uh, on that cross and he does draw people to himself. But, you know, there was another time he was lifted up too that is related. And that other time was his ascension whenever he ascended to go and to be at the right hand of the Father. Um, but here specifically, I believe it's more closely connected with his death and him being raised up on that cross. Because in verse 33, it does specifically say that he said this to show the kind of death that he was going to die. So the kind of death that he's going to die has to do with him being lifted up. But see, the crowd didn't understand what was going on. Okay, because they say, look, the Messiah, we believe that the Messiah is going to reign forever. So how can he, if he truly is the Messiah, how is Jesus talking about being lifted up and, and what's going on here? They want to know. They have this question. And let's notice Jesus's response. Verses 35 through 37. Now, Then Jesus told them, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. Even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. This is really sad that we see this here in John 12. But here in this chapter, we see that he is going back to something that he's already said. You know, he's already spoken about how he is the light of the world. We've already looked at that, you know, a, a couple Sundays ago. But now he's bringing that up again, that, that comparison between light and darkness. And he's saying that they have the light right now. They need to follow the light. They need to be completely attracted to the light and go after everything that is good and everything that is godly. And to believe in this light. In verse 36, the way it says, believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. See, all of this deals with going to God, following God, following Jesus, recognizing that Jesus is this light of the world, and so that we can become children of light. Uh, and that's also what we looked at before. If you remember that statement where Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he also said to us that, you know, you are the light of the world. So, that's the same type of thing that he's getting at here. He is the light. He has brought the light. He himself is that light. And he's asking us to be children of the light, to follow him. How does the crowd respond? After this crowd has seen miracles. I mean, literally, remember, this crowd has seen Lazarus raise up from the dead. Yet they still would not believe in him. However, it's not all at a loss. Because if you look a few verses down later, you find out that that it's not like everybody turned their back on Jesus. Some people did believe in him. But notice what happens even whenever some people do believe in him. Verses 42 through 46. Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than praise from God. Then Jesus cried out, Whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. 
So now this passage, we find out there were some people who believed. In fact, many people, even among the believed, even among the leaders, they believed in him. However, we find out the sad thing in verse 43. They loved human praise more than they loved praise from God. Because of that, they wouldn't openly acknowledge him. They, they weren't open followers of Jesus Christ. But Jesus is still asking them to openly follow him, to come to him, and to follow his, his leadership. And he, once again, is talking about being this, this light of the world. And he also says in verse 46, no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. And that's so true. That's what Jesus has done whenever he came here. He came here. He, he is the resurrection. And he is the life. He is the one who gives us life. He is the one who allows us to be raised from the dead ourselves. And that's only going to happen through Jesus Christ. And here, no one who believes in him should stay in darkness. We should all be children of light. We should all be children of God, following God every day, and all the while encouraging one another uh, while it's still day, so to speak. Jesus, he brought life through his death. He was raised up so that we would follow him, that we would see that, that he died that type of death to really show us what life is all about. Let's make sure that we that we follow him, that we can hold on to this eternal life and to hold on to Jesus Christ and to share this news to other people around us. Let's keep doing that. Holy Father, Holy Father, Holy Father, Holy Father, before your throne I kneel in prayer. Holy Father, Holy Father,